Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. Let's face it, this world is in chaos. And think about it, this chaos is when Satan is still restrained. Imagine what it's going to be like when the restrainer will be taken out of the way. So, things that we see right now, it's really just the introduction to what this world is going to experience. And when things look so bad and the whole world seems uh, to be falling apart, I think that it's important that we remember that it's all a matter of perspective. So let's pray and dive into scriptures. Father, we thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you that you're the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph and the Tav. There is nothing in this world that happens that surprises you. Father, we ask that you will allow us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the understanding of your word, that you will allow us to take two steps backwards and see the full picture so we may gain not just knowledge and understanding, but also hope and encouragement. We thank you and we bless you in the name of the Holy One of Israel, Yeshua HaMashiach, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. So I'd like to draw your attention back to the Sunday after the crucifixion of Jesus 2,000 years ago. I would say that the world was going through other chaos. I would say that the people in Jerusalem went through a traumatic experience when the hoped Messiah, whom they welcomed into the city just five days earlier, is now hanged on the tree like the last of all prisoners or, 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 or I, I would say bandits. I mean, the curse of God was on that tree. In the Jewish mindset, it's the, the biggest criminals. This is, this is their death penalty. And to see the one whom they thought is the coming reigning and ruling king of Israel, the Messiah. And to see the king of Israel having the title, the king of the Jews, right above the head as he's being crucified. Traumatic experience. Then he was led into the grave and we all know what happened that Sunday morning. And uh, Sunday morning changed everything as you all know. And you would expect the disciples who know the words of Jesus, who knows the words of the prophets, who've been following him for the last three years, who left, some of them left wives and children at home and just walked with him 
hundreds of miles. Every day they would see more and more miracles. There's, you know, if all the miracles of Jesus had to be recorded, there's not even a single book that could hold all of them. We have maybe in the Bible a tenth of 1% of what he really did during those three years. So you would expect them with the knowledge of all the miracles and the amazing teachings and the knowledge of the Word of God at the time, which was only the Old Testament, you would expect them to understand everything. You would expect them not to be afraid, not to be panicky, not to lose it. You'd expect them to know that if Sunday morning came and two women went to the grave and they found out that the grave is empty and the angel told them that he is not there, he is risen, just as he said, you would expect them at least to have a little smile on their face. But it wasn't so. Just about the church today. We've got all the promises right before us. We know exactly what's going to happen. And we oftentimes are unhappy, ungrateful, very anxious, very depressed, and mostly angry. Take you to the road of to Emmaus in Luke 24, two of the disciples were traveling that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened, all the things I just told you about. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, they conversed and reasoned, they talked to each other, and they tried to find some sense Try to understand what happened. The Bible says Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So here they are walking, talking, and Jesus is right there. And they're talking about Jesus, and Jesus is right, right there walking with them. And the Bible says that their eyes were restrained. Restrained, why? Because they were too busy with themselves and too busy with consequences rather than the promises and rather than what God is doing. And the Bible says that they did not know him. And it wasn't Jesus in a different looks, in a different shape, in a different spirit. It was, the Bible says, Jesus himself. It's like going to somebody's funeral and then on the flight back home, he's sitting right next to you. <laughs> and he's walking right there with them and the Bible says, he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Jesus is asking the church, why are you sad? It's, these are the disciples. It's the resurrected Jesus. The one who told them that he has to resurrect. The one who told them that on the third day he will come back to life. The one who told them all that has to happen is asking them on that Sunday, on the way out of Jerusalem, what is it that you're talking about and why are you so sad? What things? <laughs> what kind of conversation? And the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, and I love it. You no, know, he's talking to Jesus right now. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? 
You, you've not known the things which happened there in these days? He's rebuking Jesus. And Jesus said to them, what things? So they said to them, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. I love it. How they talk to Jesus about Jesus. I remember I used to be the CEO of a big company, travel company, after I was a tour guide for many years. So one time, once I stepped down from that position, for a short, for another couple of years, I was guiding again, and I was inside the guide's room at the garden tomb. This is where all the tour guides meet and talk while you guys are being taken to a tour in the garden tomb by the local tour guides there. And there was a three tour guides there that they did not know me, but they talked about me. <laughs> and I'm sitting right there. And I, <laughs> I asked them all the terrible, bad questions about that man they're talking about. <laughs> and the Bible says, the things about Jesus who was a prophet, mighty indeed in words before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we, what? We're hoping that it is he who was going to redeem Israel. That's it. <laughs> they flipped the page already. He was. That's it. We were hoping that he was going, and now look at this. We've waited three years, and we're walking. They're angry. And indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. And when they did not find his body, they came saying that they also seen a vision of angels who said, to, who said he was alive. Look, they are actually giving Jesus a report about the resurrection of Jesus. <laughs> and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb, because who believes the women? Huh? They went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. Check. But him they did not see. And look what Jesus said. He said to the two disciples, I guess it's the same words he can tell all of us today. Oh, what? Foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in what? All that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with the gospel of Matthew, did you know that Jesus never read the New Testament? <laughs> Did you know that he never shared one message from the New Testament? Never quoted the New Testament in his life. Paul did not give a single teaching from the New Testament. Jesus, in fact, was not a Christian. Some of you are willing to throw a chair at me right now. <laughs> Jesus could not be a Christian. He's Christ. He is not the follower of Christ. Hello? And beginning where? 
at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded to them in what? All the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He rebuked the disciples. Why? They read the prophets, but they did not believe the prophets. They took the Bible literally, but not seriously. Man-made, wishful traditions and sheer ignorance skewed their understanding of what was taking place. And if there was YouTube or Facebook or Instagram in those days, Oh my goodness, you would have seen so many fake news. <laughs> and when Jesus made prophetic promises, we must believe that they're going to happen. And this is why in Matthew 24, when he gave the most important prophetic portion on Mount of Olives, the Olivet Discourse, he answered and said to his disciples, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And you what? You will hear what? Of what? Wars. And what? Rumors of wars. And see that you are not troubled. Who is going to attack the Ukraine? Is he going to attack the... Are you sure? I'm so scared. I don't know what... See that you are not troubled. For all these things must... Say all. And say must. It's, you see, it's not part and it's not maybe. All and it must... All of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Are we in the tribulation? Is that the tribulation? Have we started the tribulation? I believe we are in the first rider of the tribulation, the second rider of the tribulation, the third rider. This is the third trumpet, fourth trumpet, fifth trumpet. Hello? He says, Nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences, pestilences, viruses, hello? And he says, and earthquakes and various places, all these are what? The beginning of sorrows. So when we hear of wars and rumors of wars, I want you to know, it doesn't mean that we've missed the, the, uh, the, the rapture and we're in the tribulation. And don't be living in illusion that things are going to get better. Oh, no. Listen, we've had it good for a few years. From 2016 to 2020, I used to pinch myself every morning and ask myself, can it be better than this? Every time I thought it can't get better than that, something even better happened. And then, something happened. And in 2021, we've seen a shift and where Iran and Russia and North Korea and China are out of control. And do you think 
this is over? No, we just begin. I mean, it's, listen, if the Bible tells us that these, some of these countries are going to come against Israel, they must be out of control. Russia, we see view from inside Ukraine about the, there's engagement in Syria, there's engagement in Libya. Are you reading my Telegram channel? If you, have, if you don't know what it is, you download Telegram channel, go to Behold Israel channel. It's one word, Behold Israel channel. Listen, I just wrote last night, I was awake between 10 and 12 midnight. I wrote about how Syria is important to Russia and how from Syria, Russia sends mercenaries to Libya. That's what you're seeing here. North Korea is out of control right now with launching missiles, hypersonic ones, and even doing some uh, nuclear tests. Iran, its proxies becoming dangerous all around the world. Iran itself, two, three days ago, Iran sent two very sophisticated drones from Iranian territory towards Israel. Nobody told you about it. Why? Because the American air defense system shot them down above Erbil in Iraq. And nobody tells you what they were all about, what they were carrying on them, and where they were headed to. Iran and its proxies are emboldened by lack of accountability. Every time they do something to the UAE, to the, United, to the uh, uh, Saudi Arabians, in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, nobody holds Iran accountable. And on the other hand, that which happened between 2016 and 2020 is still having its own life when it comes to the Abraham Accords, when Gulf Arabs slam Palestinian terror groups and support uh, and their support in, in terrorists, and they are all flocking towards Israel. But there are wars, and there are war rumors of wars. There are wars. There is an actual war going on right now in the Arabian Peninsula. And drones and ballistic missiles are being sent to that area on daily basis, and nobody says a word. Missiles that are hitting very important sites. Iran continues to vow to destroy Israel everywhere. They are right in front of cameras. They're saying that. They're not even hiding it. Iranian Brigadier Generals, as, as you all know, urges destruction of Israel prior to nuke talks. Let's not talk about talks before Israel has to be destroyed. And Iran vows to destroy Israel in future war. And if you think China is watching all of this and China is not learning its lessons from what is going on, kiss that thought goodbye. Every day, Chinese aircrafts are violating Taiwanese airspace in greater numbers. And look at what's going on with the Ukraine. This morning, President Putin ordered an exercise with ballistic, nuclear-capable ballistic missiles. This morning, at a Suhoi 35 took off and It sent out a Kinzhal hypersonic missile. It's a missile that no air defense system around the world can ever shoot down. It's so fast. And I know that all of you are like, COVID, 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 COVID. But listen, pestilences were there before COVID, and they may even be after COVID. 
okay? Viruses are something that either come, well, of course, the, the world is not perfect anymore. And the minute the rain and the heavy flood came and this beautiful canopy that the world used to have in the Garden of Eden was no longer there, that's it. Viruses, diseases, problems, and viruses all around, and you see pandemics from time to time happening. I'll take you back to the 1889 to 1890, there was a Russian flu that killed one million people. From 1918 to 1920, the Spanish flu, and we're talking about 50 million people died. 1957 to 1958, there was the Asian flu. In 1961 to present day, there's this cholera pandemic that killed thousands of thousands of people. It depends which year. It's still with us today, each year sickening 1.3 million to 4 million and killing between 21,000 to 143,000 people. From 1968 to 1970, there was the Hong Kong flu. This influenza killed uh, about 1 million people, only in that area. 1981 until today, the AIDS. 2003, SARS. 2012, MERS. 2009, swine flu, Ebola between 2014 2016, Zika between 2015 and 2016, and from 2019, COVID-19. So what? <laughs> when were we promised that this world will be pandemic-free? will be pestilence-free, will be viruses-free. Now, it doesn't matter if it comes from a lab in Wuhan or from a monkey or from a, a bat. Virus is virus. And as you can see, in the past, many of those pandemics killed many, many millions of people. And they were over, and we moved on. And there's another one, and it's over, and we move on. And we move on. It's not the end of the world. As some may try to portray it. Earthquakes and natural disasters. This month alone, four earthquakes in Israel alone. We've never had it before. Something big might come. 6.6 magnitude earthquake in west coast of Cyprus. Two earthquakes fell in northern Israel, and that was when I started working on the message. There was two more. Magnitude 7.2 in Indonesia. Earthquake shake Colombia and other confirmed. Volcanoes, ladies and gentlemen. The Etna in, 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 in Sicily is just erupting in ways we haven't seen for many, many years. An island in Italy that was partially uh, almost gone because of that. Three volcanoes are erupting at the same time in Alaska. Volcanic explosion in Tonga destroyed a whole island there. Tsunamis. You see, we're so short-sighted at thinking that there's only, you know, COVID, 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 COVID. But there's so much that is happening all around the world. Wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes, and volcanoes, and pestilences, 
and there are even famines. And when you're looking at the events of this world without a biblical lens, which is exactly what the two disciples did on the road to Emmaus, it's very easy to fall into fear and anxiety. For the believer, this should not describe us. While the world remains in bondage to fear and uncertainty, hope is what should characterize us. Since we know, we know what must take place. You see, I talked about Ezekiel 38 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Am I a prophet? No. I come from a nonprofit organization. <laughs> but I know one thing the prophets were right. And I better believe that which they say. So, since we know what must take place according to the Bible, not only that we do not need to be scared, we need to use this as a tool, as Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's the fear of the Lord, by the way. God has graciously allowed us to know the end from the beginning. If you are a student of the Bible, nothing that happened in this world today should surprise you. If you're a student of the Bible, you are smarter than the best intelligence community of any secret service of any country around the world. You can tell them exactly what's going to happen. You can tell them that may, Russia might be having some shenanigans over there in the Ukraine, but eventually Russia will make its move against Israel. They might put you in straitjacket and send you somewhere, but you will end, end up being right. Because we know the end from the beginning. The Lord says in Isaiah 46, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. What? declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. And look what he says, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Bible prophecy is an amazing thing. It's almost a third of the Bible, but so many Christians misinterpret it, butcher it, and take things out of context in order to explain things that will sound better now if they do so. But I want to remind you, Bible prophecy has nothing to say about the nations as such in their relations to one another. You will not find a civil war in Bible prophecy. You will not find the Vietnam War in Bible prophecy. You will not find World War I or World War II in Bible prophecy. But what will you find? You'll find exactly what happened in Israel during that time. It's only in relations to those nations with Israel, the people, and the land. So while the world was fighting World War I, God spoke to the land of Israel and said, I want my nation to come back. And in preparation for their return, 
First, the land must, in an amazing way, turn to fertile land, from, from a desolated land. So you have to understand, Israel is the way for the Bible believer who wants to understand prophecy. Israel is the compass. Deuteronomy 32 says, when the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, and when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is the place of His inheritance. So He will always tell you what the world is going to do, say, act, or, or maybe not do to Israel. The key to all prophecy is the Jew. If the Jewish nation had not forsaken God and neglected the Sabbath, there would have been no times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles began when? They began when God transferred earthly rule from the kings of Israel to the Gentile king Nebuchadnezzar, and then they will continue all the way from empire to empire to another empire to America as, as a sole empire today, but it's now declining, and there will be others who wants to take over, but it will be all the way until what? Even throughout the empire of the Antichrist, but until Israel again becomes the head of all nations. And this is why God cannot save the nation of Israel, as, as Romans 11 says, until the times of the Gentiles have come in. And we are the most greatest generation, not because of what we do, it's because of what, what He's doing within our lifetime. This generation that is represented here is the generation that saw the amazing biblical transition from Psalm 83 to Ezekiel 38. From Psalm 83, when, when the Lord we were asking, God, don't keep silent, don't hold your peace, do not be still, O oh God. Behold, your enemies make tumult. They, those who hate you have lifted up their head. Every nation that is actually, in essence, had a, a problem with the God of Israel came against Israel, the nation. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. Reminds me of, of, of how God will shelter Israel in Revelation 12 when He takes it to the desert for three and a half years after they realized that the Antichrist is actually not the Messiah. And after saying to him, no, thank you. We are not going to worship you as God. And these sheltered ones, the Bible says, they, those enemies, they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. That is exactly what happened in, 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 in the modern days of Israel. And when Israel was born, if we would have kept the name Palestine that was given to us by, by a pedophile Caesar called Adrian in 135 AD, if we would have kept that name, which is, by the way, to ridicule the Jews, and it was named after the Philistines from the you know, Old Testament, if we would have kept that name, none of our enemies would have come against us. But because David Ben-Gurion Change the name to Israel. It's because of that they came up against us so that the name of Israel will be remembered no more. They have consulted together 
It was a coalition. It's not just one. They came. They formed a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites. And he's talking about Jordan and Egypt and Gebal, Ammon, and Amalek. He's talking about all the regions. Listen, everything that I'm reading now, Gebal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, inhabitants of Tyre, Lebanon, all of that, Assyria also joined them. This is the first tier of all the countries that are bordering with Israel. All of them at once in 1948 came up against us to destroy us. Israel was on the verge of annihilation in its first few years of its existence. And now, all of us live through the amazing transition from a country that was on the verge of annihilation to a country that the world wants to come and steal from it. Ezekiel says, Behold, I'm against you, Lord said, against Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya, Gomer, and Togarma. Many people are with you. What? To steal from barely surviving, from barely surviving the, the Holocaust and all the pogroms and the War of Independence to a regional superpower. The whole world comes to take advice when it comes to um, you know, f- uh, financial technology, cybersecurity, agriculture, medical, um, when it comes to weapons, when it comes to all of these things. And not only that, Israel found trillions of cubic feet of natural gas. So, God gave us the grace to see this amazing transition. We've also lived in dream in Israel. We also pinch ourselves to see all these great things happening. And then came, a few months ago, the government of change. Build back better, you say? We got the government of change. A government that is leaning on the Muslim Brotherhood. In Israel, the only country in the Middle East that allows the Muslim Brotherhood to even exist is Israel. Egypt, outlawed them. Saudi Arabia, outlawed them. Every Sunni country outlawed that Sunni organization. But we, we form a government with them. Why? Because there's so much in having hatred towards Netanyahu, they'll take anyone to form a government with. Sounds familiar to you? (laughs) Look what's going on in your country. You know, Hegel said, what experience and history teach us in this, that people and governments never have learned anything from history or acted on principles deducted from it. Eric Snow, in his book, The Life Cycle of Empires from 2011, said, the growth of wealth and comfort clearly can undermine the values of character, such as self-sacrifice and discipline. That led to a given empire's creation. See, self-sacrifice and all these value brought empires to rise. And look what. Then the empire, so affected by moral decline, grows weaker and more vulnerable to destruction by forces arising inside or outside of it. Not surprisingly, God in the Bible specifically warned the ancient Israelites against departing from worshiping Him once they became materially satisfied after entering the promised land in Deuteronomy. He understood this human tendency. And there are four indi- five indicators to decline of an empire. 
increased sexual immorality, undermining the family structure, uncontrollable immigration, reckless living, and lack of personal responsibility, all of which are characterizing this country right now. And then you want to build back better. Look at what's going on, not only in America, but also in America, all over the world. We see the moral decline. We see the, the uh, sexual perversion. We see what's how, uh, look what he says, abortion is health care. Health care is human right. Look what they say. Love is love. Love is love. Pro-choice. I always say pro-choice. Pro-life are pro-choice because the Bible says choose life. The opposite of pro-life is not pro-choice, it's pro-death. Last time I studied English. And when you read Romans 1 from verse 18 all the way to verse 32, and I'm not going to do that because of lack of time, you understand exactly that Paul 2,000 years ago saw that exact thing happening also in the Roman Empire. And you see how, you see everything that we talked about all the good become bad, and all the bad becomes good. People of faith take steps to fight climate change. Suddenly, that's our faith, yes? White House shut down that protest, chain themselves. Climate change is a new religion right now. In a report released by, by the 2008 U.S. Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works, author Mark Moreno wrote, Former Vice President Al Gore came to Washington on July 17, 2008 to deliver yet another speech warning of the climate crisis. The leading expert predict that we have less than 10 years to make dramatic changes in our global warming pollution lest we lose our ability to ever recover from this environmental crisis. Gore stated that, but the former vice president who has been warning for 10 years tipping point for several years now appears to be unaware that the United Nations already started a 10-year countdown in 1989. <laughs> and I don't want to go into the 1989 article, and I don't want to go beyond. I just want you to understand, every time he said something, it was wrong. In the Bible, if someone predicts things and is wrong all the time, in the Old Testament, he would be stoned to death. Not suggesting that, I'm just saying. <laughs> Genesis 8, 22 says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. Cold and heat. It's not summer and winter. Summer and winter comes after. Cold and heat means there are times in history when it's cold, and times in history when it's hot. I could show you a video of, of a few years ago when they thought that it's global freezing. Now it's global warming. They need to make up their mind. It says, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. That's how the world goes. American Jewish author Alvin Toffler defines the shock from the future in his 1970 book, Future Shock. And basically what he said, too many changes in too short of a time, which is exactly what is being pushed right now all over the world, creates a shock. So everything Jesus said that is going to happen 
everything he said that is, we need to remember that these things must happen. And they are part of the birth pang. And they are part of the looming coming end, but it's not the end yet. All of these people, all of these things excuse me, are happening. But the one thing so many Christians fail to understand is what we are in the middle of is a fierce spiritual war. Ephesians 6 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Do you really think that my problem is someone who sits in the White House? No. It's the spirit that is behind all of this. It's against principalities. It's against powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where? In heavenly places. What we see is what? Is that which is happening because of the war that is happening somewhere else. 2 Corinthians 4 says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. It's a spiritual thing. Their minds, it's the God of this age that blinded them. So, how should we live in these days? One of the most amazing things that going back to even the time of Moses and Joshua and other, it's the principle of fear not. When the church is so afraid, it's exactly the opposite of what is expected from it. You know, the whole world is afraid. But the whole world is looking at us. If we are to be also afraid, then what advantage do we have over them? How can we even give them the hope and the amazing promises and the great joy of salvation and the peace that surpasses all understanding when we ourselves don't exercise that joy or that peace? Fear not, he said. The Bible says that we, in these times, we should have power. We should have love, and we should have sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I'm sorry to tell you, but the church lost it over COVID. All, I mean, I, I see churches torn to pieces, families torn to pieces, all over, not even over the gospel or over some, some uh, salvation issues or anything. Suddenly we changed our battles to something else. Suddenly we're not fighting for the gospel. We're not caring for the salvation of someone else. Suddenly it's all about us. Love was thrown out of the window. Christians hate each other now. Power, we're the weakest. And sound mind, are you kidding me? <laughs> we must make sure that we are avoiding moral hypocrisy. We should not be associating things with some things such as the mark of the beast that have been around for years. 
There's nothing here now that exists right now that is the mark of the beast. Cannot be because the beast is not here and nobody's worshiping the beast or, is, or at least ordered to. We should not be surprised by the direction of this world. The world has the spirit of the Antichrist. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. We know that. But we should not take things out of context because we make fools of ourselves and the non-Christians are looking at us and they are laughing at us. We must share the gospel and we must occupy until he comes in, 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 and this is our mandate. And I want to show you an example of how, how things are being blown out of proportion. So in 2021, there was this thing, COVID-19, in Sweden, a vaccine passport on a microchip implant. And everybody, you know, I get all those emails because I am the minister of truth. <laughs> I have to authentic, I mean, to, to, to put the stamp of authenticity over everything or else, you know, and then if I don't, I believe the lie. So watch this. They sent me this. So I sent them back 2018. Thousands of Swedes are inserting microchips under their skin. It's the same country that has been doing that before COVID, that is now doing that with COVID. I'm not taking this whole thing because they will know exactly where I'm at. They will track me. Oh, really? What about these things? Your credit card, your cell phones, all the information you give to, to everyone when you want to buy something. Are you kidding me? Not only that they know where you are, they know exactly when you're hungry. You say Volvo, and on your feed, Volvo comes up. I will not take it. It is a chip that will track me. You've been tracked for years. We must be, I'm not saying that the world is becoming a greater place, but let's not hype that which should not be hyped and make fool of ourselves. Because the moment we bring this 2021 Sweden thing, they'll bring the 2018 thing. And what are we going to say? We must be biblically based. We must quote scriptures, not choose and pick what we want. We must read the whole chapter. We must read the whole book. Amen. This is why when, when, we just, I, I, when I worked on, on Revealing Revelation, the book that is about to come out, m my thing is I want to go out and teach the entire book of Revelation in one conference. Revealing Revelation conference. And for two days, sit with everyone and go as in a journey through chapter 1 to chapter 22. Why? Because every time I'm going to show a verse from Revelation, there is always a danger that somebody will say, we'll take it and, and take it to the wrong place. It's good to study the whole thing. It's the only book in the Bible that we promised that we are going to be blessed if we teach and if we read it. We must first be taken out of here in order for God to complete His work on this earth. Our job is to occupy until He comes. We do not live under the illusion that this world will turn to God and we will usher in His return. You know how many Christians 
believe that our job is to make this world better and to prepare the world for the return of Jesus? This world cannot be. It's going to get worse and worse and worse to the point that it's over for us. He has to take us out of here. God will prepare the world for His return, not us. God is prepared. What is Jesus doing now? Preparing a place for us. Where? Exactly. He himself said, I am about to go and prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there's many mansions. He said that. But then he said, I will come back in order to what? Receive you unto myself that where I am, you may also be. Not where you are. Jesus didn't say, in your Father's house, there are many mansions. Go and prepare a place for me. So where you are, I will also be. No. He said exactly the opposite. Psalm 110, the Lord said to my, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. God is going to judge this world and prepare it for the return of Jesus. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Hebrews 1.13, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit it at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Not to any angel, it's for Jesus. So why would God prepare the world if it's us who needs to prepare the world? We must be battle ready. And the Bible is giving us the whole armor of God, and He's not suggesting that we pick and choose what we want. He said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Look what he says. Put on the whole armor of God. Not part. Don't pick and choose what fits you and, and leave. No, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers, as, as we, we talked about. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. The days are getting evil. It's not getting better. And having done all to stand, the Bible says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with what? With truth. Having put on the breastplate of what? Righteousness. Breastplate. The most important organs right here. The righteousness of Jesus, He Himself, the only way, the only truth, the only life, He will protect your heart, your kidneys, your liver, everything. And then He said, having, having, uh, and having also shod your feet with the preparation of the what? Gospel of? Peace. No, no, the Bible says the gospel of war. I must go out to war right now. <laughs> the gospel of peace. Christians right now are more engaged in war than in peace. 
And it's the gospel of peace. I'm not saying join the UN, which I call the United Nothing or Unnecessary. I'm saying the gospel of peace. Finally, we have peace with God through Jesus. Amen? Above all, he says, taking the shield of faith. Shield of faith. Faith. It's a relationship between you and him. It's an active thing. That's your shield. The shield of faith. Why? With which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He's shooting fiery darts all over. Not just darts, fiery darts. So he can create collateral damage. So it can burn more than just hit you at one spot. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. And God gives you the whole armor to stand against it. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We, look, do you know that there are so many conservatives in America and all around the world, they have nice values, but they're non-Christians. They don't know the Bible. They don't know Jesus personally. They have good morals. You can go out and, and to the streets and protest with them as much as you want. You have to ask yourself, will I see him in heaven? Will he be raptured with me? Because if not, my fight in the street for some mask or this or that means nothing if I'm not going to see him in heaven. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful. to the, This is why prayer is so important. I don't understand why people go last to that thing when they need to go first to that thing. If you don't have prayer life, you're doomed to be attacked and maybe even destroyed. Prayer is, by the way, prayer is the one thing you can do everywhere at any given time without anything that you need to own. Nothing. You can be without anything. Your pockets out in the middle of nowhere, and you can pray. Waste of truth. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Jewish people should know Jesus. He is the truth, and only he will set them free. The rabbis will not set them free. Shemitah year will not set them free. Blood moons or, or, or sun eclipse will not set them free. Uh, books about Shemitah will not set them free. Books about blood moons will not set them free. You see where I'm going? It's Jesus who sets them free. The truth. Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I pray, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. He believed the lie of Satan instead of believing the truth of God. And even King David, the writer of most of the book of Psalms, the most beloved king of Israel, even he, the minute he believed the lie and not the truth, he sinned against God and played right in the hands of the enemy. Breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. 
He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with her jewel. You meet, in Isaiah 64, you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. Every person on planet Earth was a sinner or is a sinner. You need to understand, if you can say, I was born a Christian, you are lying to yourself. No one on planet Earth ever in the history was born a Christian. No one. But I have it written on my birth certificate. It's wrong. <laughs> it should say sinner, born sinner. Because in order to be a Christian, you must be what? Born again. How can you be born, born again? You must be born first in order to be born again. And born again, it's the second birth. We need to be saved. Romans 8. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Only through Jesus we can be justified, not through our own deeds. I am not justified for being a Jew. I'm not justified for having been born in Jerusalem. I'm not justified because I'm Israeli. I am not justified because any of my blood cells. I am justified free because I believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross for me. Not anything else. You cannot love God more than He already loved you when He gave His only begotten Son for you. 1 Corinthians 6, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness, true righteousness, not self-righteousness, the righteousness is Jesus, not you, and holiness, nor give place to the devil. The gospel of peace, ladies and gentlemen, Grace to you and peace from God, Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that we might deliver us from, from present evil age. This is an evil age, according to the will of God, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to prevent the gospel of Christ. The gospel of peace is the gospel of Christ. Don't turn to any other gospel. He said, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be anathema in Greek, accursed. John 14, peace. I live with you. Jesus is living with us peace. And when was it? In the middle of the Roman Empire. Dark times. You think this is dark right now? The world is dark? The Roman era was what we have now on steroids. Are you kidding me? Have you walked lately here in this city and on the sides of the road there were hundreds of crosses with dead people? No. But in Rome you would. 
And don't tell me it was better then. It was horrible then. Yet Jesus said, peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. And then he says, and he has nothing in me. Why is it so amazing to believe in Jesus? Because Jesus is the only one that Satan cannot touch. So believing in Jesus is 100% God. Not like what you tell me about, this is organic juice, this is natural juice. And you read, oh. Natural juice is when you squeeze it and you drink it immediately. He is nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Luke 2, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Was it a peaceful time? No, the peace that now arrived when Jesus was born is peace between men and God. That's all that matters to us. I landed in one of the most peaceful cities in New Zealand. Listen, I, I, I walked into the place. Look at me. I don't look Swedish. I, I mean, I fit the profile of a terrorist. <laughs> no, I wasn't searched. Nothing. I walked straight to the plane. I was looking all around. I started getting scared. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm going to blow up the plane, and I'm not even sure what's going on here. <laughs> I mean, it was like too easy. And I landed. I will never forget it in the capital of, 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 uh, of New Zealand. And the local pastor took me to a hill and we looked, and it was the most peaceful, the most beautiful place. And I'm like, oh, no wonder everybody wants to live in New Zealand. And I asked him, so are people happy? And he says, we have the highest rate of suicide among youth in the whole world. You can live in the most peaceful place, but if you have no peace with God, you will not want to live. That's what he says. Romans 8. What then shall we say? Uh, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but believed, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Isaiah 51, listen to me. You who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. The church is going to be more and more and more persecuted, and God is saying, do not fear. Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's faith and faith alone. Hebrews, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who delightly seek Him. The helmet of salvation, Matthew 10, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's what we need to fear. We need to hold on to our salvation. Our salvation, look, the Bible says in John chapter 3 that now when we believe in Him, we are not condemned. 
But if we do not believe in Him, believe in him we are condemned already. The whole world is condemned. All of us were condemned. If you are not a believer in Jesus, you are condemned already, the Bible says. And the beauty is that if you believe in Him, you are plucked out of the condemned already to the not condemned, and your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. Second Corinthians, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I could go on and on, but I want to conclude with John 16. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you. Let's read it together. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. Father, we thank you that we will never find our peace in this world, but in Jesus, the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Peace, Sar Shalom. We thank you that everything that is happening around the world today had been predicted, was in a very generous way shared with us through scriptures that we may be encouraged and prepared and strong, but we will also be able to function only if we Put on the whole armor of God. We also thank you that you did not give us a spirit of fear, but of, of, of great, great strength and love and of sound mind. I pray, Father, that as a church and for people who are watching online and everybody here, may we search through our hearts this afternoon First, to know if we even know you personally, if there was a day in our life where we were indeed asking you to come into our life and we submitted ourselves and we declared that we lost because when we lose, then you win. So, Father, I ask that if there is anyone here this afternoon that doesn't know you personally, that is struggling with so much anxiety and fear, that is losing his breath with all that is going on in this world, I pray that, Father, you will reveal to him his need to first acknowledge his sinful nature, repent, ask Jesus into his heart so he can get that peace that surpasses all understanding from the real source of peace, the Prince of Peace. And so he will also be in good cheer knowing that you have overcome this world. We thank you. We bless you, and we ask all of this in the matchless name of the Holy One of Israel, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God, Emmanuel, in the name of Yeshua, who is our salvation, we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app available in Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.